welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I want to say welcome to all of our campuses that are watching on TV on the big screen. Can we welcome Savage, Faribault, and Minnetrista? Yes. I, I also want to take a moment here to say hello to all those that are watching on the web and on TV. Uh, I met a guy this week who uh, I was at a banquet this week, and he came up to me and he said, Hey, thank you for your church being on TV. And I had never met the guy before, and he said, I just want to let you know that my wife was taken with a very serious illness, and uh, we were unable to go to church. And in the process of taking care of her, it became too cumbersome to get her ready, get her to church. And he said, I was caring for her as she was dying. And uh, he said, your TV show, I was clicking through, and there you were. And he said, we watched you faithfully at 9.30 on Sundays because we couldn't get to church. And he's like, thank you for your sermons. And uh, I said, man, thank you for watching. And I said, it just made my day. And I was like, can I give you a hug, man? And I just hugged him, you know. And so I just want to say thank you to our tech team and all of our campuses. Could we thank our tech teams that worked so hard to make that possible? Yep. It's awesome. So we are starting a series uh, today called Why God, Why? And uh, it, ca- it comes from two things. First of all, I've been reading a book, uh, If God is Good, uh, by Randy Elkhorn, and I highly recommend it. If you are suffering or going through pain or you're wondering about why an evil happened in your life, it's about that thick. Uh, I actually had a flight the other day, and I made it my goal to read it on the way there and back to Atlanta and did it, knocked it out. But it's a big book, and I highly recommend it. But it, it helped me out with this series. And then also, uh, we did a man on the street video, and uh, we tried to check to see what people's uh, view of the Bible was and their knowledge of the Bible. Maybe some of you remember that. We did it a while ago. It's on the net. And uh, we asked people if they knew how many books were in the Bible, and they had no clue. We asked them, you know, who got swallowed by a whale. You would think they'd know that one. They still had no clue. We asked people who led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. They had no clue. And we asked all sorts of questions. But when we asked the one question, we said, who was the guy that had everything taken away from him? They went, Job. I'm thinking, you don't know who got swallowed by a whale, but you know the guy who lost everything. They all knew Job, and it just hit me, and it wasn't intended in that series to to do one about Job, but all of a sudden as I saw that, I thought, the reason that Job must stand out is because pain and suffering hits us all. Pain and suffering hits us all, and so everybody can identify with, with Job. You can identify with a guy that lost everything, that you can just look at this and you can say, okay, I can identify with that with a guy who was really, really down, because all of us have pain and suffering that comes against us. 
at some point in our life. I mean, you look at people that are always successful, always successful, and maybe you can't identify with them, but you can really identify with Job. And I think we can identify with Job uh, so much more so because he was attacked in his family, he was attacked in his material possessions, he was uh, attacked physically, and so it just kind of gets into those areas where we can identify with it. We can say, you know what, I, I want to know why. Why the suffering? Why the pain? And I can identify with Job, and I think that's why people have grabbed hold of a Job and they know him so well. And the other thing that we can identify with is, if you know the story of Job, he didn't deserve it, right? He didn't deserve it. I mean, we've become really good judges at uh, deciding who deserves it and who doesn't. Let me just illustrate for you. Somebody say like, hey, you know, so-and-so died, they had cancer and they died. And people will ask this question, did they smoke? And if they say, well, yeah, they smoke like a cart in a day, you're like, well, oh, okay, you know, all right, you know. But if the person didn't smoke, you go, they didn't smoke? Because you just feel like they didn't deserve it. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Because you're just like, that's just not right. That's just not fair. Somebody has a heart attack. You're like, well, were they exercising? Yeah, they were an athlete. Oh, like that's just not fair. They don't deserve it. That's not the way it's supposed to work. We become great judges with it. But we look at Job and we say, this guy didn't deserve it. This guy did not deserve it. Now, I want to say a couple disclaimers um, in this series. First of all, this is not just a theological talk, okay? This is not just a theological talk as I, as I give this sermon. Um, this is a real, real thing that's been made even more real to me in the last 48 hours, and specifically even just moments before I preached this sermon. Um, I was on the phone with a young man who... Uh, in the last eight days, has endured losing his father. And then while they were getting ready for his father's funeral, his mother was cooking a meal and collapsed and died. And so he lost his dad, hadn't even yet had the funeral, and his mother dies, and now the funeral for his mom is this week. And I was on the phone with this young man who now has two younger brothers, age 12 and 9, and he's 18, and he's just gone from having a family to their orphans right now. And I just said, our heart goes out to you. Our church is with you. He said, I'll be at church this weekend. And I said, a, a disclaimer here, I'm preaching why, God, why. And I said, uh, when you show up, I just want to hug you. When you show up, I just want to hug you. Like, and so I kind of feel like there's a little caution in this. And this is one of those nights where, um, one of those days that it's like, not just a, okay, here comes a nice, clean, tidy sermon, but here comes real gut level, real life, real why God, why, real pain, real suffering. And it's something that our church is going through. And this family, they need your prayers. So I just encourage you to pray for this family and uh, be lifting them up. So I, I have that kind of, I would call it a, a sober awareness, a sober awareness that if you're going through pain, if you're going through suffering, I don't know your story, but God does. And um, although there'll be times that we're laughing, although there'll be times that we're crying in this series, although, although there'll be times where we don't even know what to do next, um, every one of those emotions is going to be okay, okay? Every one of them is going to be okay. We're going to laugh sometimes. We're going to cry sometimes. We're going to have that uh, gut punch, and, and then we're going to try to figure it out. Then we're going to be confused, and it's all okay and uh, as we process through this, it's going to be good. Now, I got to give one more disclaimer. And, uh, you know, just you're like, okay, Pastor Rob, you're giving all these disclaimers. But 
I, I, this is like jumping into the deep end of the pool. How many know what I'm talking about when you're talking about why suffering, why evil? I mean, as a sermon, this isn't one of those ones that's like, all right, today I want to talk to you about joy. Everybody needs joy. Everybody say joy with me, joy. You know, and, and this is like one that is deep end of the pool. And uh, I know we can't cover it all, even though we're going to have multiple weeks in this. And uh, I just feel like um, as I studied this, as I looked at it, I was going to give you more questions than answers. Are you okay with that? Okay, I hope our sites are more okay than Apple Valley's. Um, <laughs> because that's the way it's going to be in some ways. Because this is a biggie. Because the number one question that people would ask God when they were surveyed, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask him? And the, it started out with, why? And it usually ended, happen to me. Why did this, 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 and this happen to me? Why did this suffering happen to me? Why did this happen? And it just, it hits you because we want answers and we want God to give us answers. And as we look at this, why God, why, and we look into God's word, I'm going to tell you that God doesn't give us as many answers and he doesn't spend a lot of time explaining why. And that may bother you, but he gives us more promises than he does explanations. All right, we'll get to that why he, he gives us more promises. But we want answers. We want answers for everything. And I can just testify, I mean, as a, as a guy that wants answers, I want, I want you to tell me why. I want you to tell me why. I want to know the answers. If there's a question and I get it wrong, I want to know. And the other day, we were at a restaurant, and they said, uh, a little trivia, we're celebrating an anniversary. And they said, if you get, you know, 20 out of 25 of the trivia questions from 1975 right, you know, you win a free dessert. So, you know, we go and do this. I'm thinking, I was alive in 1975. The odds are pretty good. I know these trivia. And so we go and do it. I turn in my test to the person at the counter. I'm hoping to get a free dessert. And they said, you got eight wrong. And I'm like, which ones? <laughs> they said, well, yeah, you got this one wrong. I said, no, no, Saigon and Ho Chi Minh, that is the same city. You could look that up on Wikipedia. It's just a different name for that. So I'm down to seven. And they're like, you still don't get a free dessert, sir. I was like, okay, can I, can I have my test with me? Can I take it back to my seat? Because I want to go over these with my wife and, and go over the answers because, you know, we, I, you know, and she's like, sure, knock yourself out, you know. <laughs> okay, but we do that. We want to know why and did we get it wrong? And, and it seems like if we can understand why we're suffering, why there's pain, why the bad thing happened, then we'll make more sense of it. Then we'll make more sense of it. But how many know in the pain and suffering in this world, you don't always know why? You don't always know why. And you walk through the world and you're trying to figure it out, like why, why, why? But you don't get the answers. And our story is found in the book of Job. And I'm going to give you a little homework. And I'd love for you to read the book of Job over this uh, series. Go ahead and read it. There's a lot of chapters in it, but it's good. And it starts out with a guy that talks about him. He's doing great. Guy's name is Job. He's got it great. He's got 10 children. He has thousands of oxen. He has thousands of camels. He has thousands of sheep. He has 500 donkeys. And, and donkeys were a luxurious item. And the rarest thing that people would have as a delicacy was donkey milk. And so it says he has 500 female donkeys. It's saying this guy was loaded. This guy had it great. And he's just living a normal day. Normal day. He's so he's a devout guy. He loves God. He's, he's offering sacrifices to God just in case his kids did anything wrong. He wants to make sure that they're all covered. And he's doing great. 
And he loves God, and and Satan comes before God. The narrator of the book of Job gives us a glimpse that Satan comes before God the Father and says, hey, basically, this guy, Job, he is serving you because he has it so good. He's serving you because he has it so good. And if you pulled off your hand of protection on this guy, if you pulled off your hedge of protection, some people pray for a hedge of protection, that's where it comes from. If you take off your hedge of protection around this guy, he will fold. This guy will fold because he's only serving you because it's all good. Matter of fact, just as a sidebar, I was watching a game once with a bunch of uh, Packer fans years ago, and the Vikings won, and, you know, I was kind of sitting there, and Chris Carter gets done, and he's on TV, and he goes, first of all, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior for this victory and everything. And I looked at the Packer fans, I said, you got to cheer for that. You know, Chris Carter is giving glory to the name of Jesus. And the one guy looks at me, and he goes, Everybody loves Jesus when they win. <laughs> so that's what Satan's saying here. He's saying everybody loves Jesus when everybody loves God when they win. Everybody loves God when it's going good. Everybody loves God when their family's doing great and they've got more than they could ever want and they're so rich that they're just like a multi, multi gazillionaire. Who doesn't love God then? But you take away your hand of protection. And you let me throw some trials at him. You let me throw some stuff at him. And you'll see him fold. We're going to look next week at Job's life and see how that guy did not fold because he was bigger on the inside than what he was on the outside. He was bigger on the inside. His godly character on the inside was stronger. So God goes ahead and says, Satan, you can go ahead and do this. You can attack him, but you can't take his life. But Satan goes and Kills all 10 of his kids. All 10. Gone. Tragedy hits. Goes and wipes out all of his goods, all of his material possessions. Boom. Gone. Covers him with boils and sores so bad that when his friends come to do like a visit, and we heard about the bad news, they didn't even recognize him. They didn't even know it was their friend Job. And for seven days, they sit there in silence like, What do you say to a guy like this? What do you say to somebody that looks that bad that had all that happen? Now, fast forward through this because I'll get you through it and then we'll get into where this evil comes from. But Job comes through on the other side of this. And at the end of the story of Job, we see that God goes and doesn't answer all of his questions, but he just says how great he is. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm God and you're not. And then he goes, and and the Bible says that Job has more than he ever had before, and he has all these blessings that come upon him. And as you read this, don't lose fact of this. Job did not have a narrator. Job did not have anyone going, okay, Job, see, Satan was up there, and it's a test. He didn't have that going on. And he's sitting there in silence and going through this and suffering, but he gets through the other side. So now as we've looked at the Bible, and as we look at this and we study it, I've noticed that there's less explanation and there's more promises from God when it comes to the why question of why do we hurt, why is there pain, why is there tragedy? And I, and I come up with a couple of reasons for this. One of them is when we hurt, I don't think we need explanations. I think we may ask for them, but I think when we really hurt, what we really need is comfort. What we really need is comfort. Let me, let me just say this. Like, imagine a dad with his daughter, and she's 
riding a bike, and she crashes and falls down, and she looks up at her dad, and her dad, she says, you know, dad, why? Why am I hurting? And the dad doesn't need to go into like, well, honey, gravity took effect, <laughs> and your angle was too sharp, and the tires couldn't hold. I mean, at that moment, how many know she wants to be hugged? She's, she needs a kiss. She needs a hug. She needs right there, a little tear, and she needs some ice cream, all right? She needs to be comforted, all right? And, and, and I think that many times we're saying, God, why, why, why? And we want explanations, and God's like, what I'm going to give you is comfort. What I'm going to give you is comfort. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And the first thing I tell you is if you're in pain and if you're in that questioning why God, why, realize that you may not get the answer to the why, but you will always get comfort. You will always get comfort. God will be there and he will be there as a loving heavenly father. Another reason I don't think God gives us explanations and why the Bible doesn't spend a lot of time digging into the explanation of everything, I just don't think we can understand the answer. I don't think we can understand the answer, and I think the silence on it in the Bible in many ways is a giant spiritual because. How many just didn't like that? You didn't like that. No, 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 you can't. No, no, not the because answer. Not the because answer. But as a parent, you learn that there are sometimes you have to default to the because answer. And I think God just comes through and he says, because you just can't understand everything that's going on. You don't get it all the way. But I did figure this out, that I think there are certain people that start to understand more about God not giving us an explanation, one of those groups is parents. I really believe when you become a parent, you start to understand, like your eyes open up like, okay, God, I get it that you have the right to use the spiritual because. I believe doctors have a better understanding of why God doesn't give all the answers and why there's pain and things because they may take patients that are writhing in pain and then hurt them more to get them better. And so they understand that in the pain, sometimes the pain gets worse, but I'm actually in this pain making you better. And so they kind of understand God a little bit better. I think that also uh, military leaders understand why God doesn't give us answers. Because there are certain things that happen for the greater cause, and there is no answer. And I couldn't imagine the pressure of being a military leader knowing that this decision is going to cost people lives, but for the greater good, this has to happen. And I think military leaders get a glimpse into understanding why God doesn't explain it all, and they kind of understand that there's a bigger picture here than I can understand. And I think another group that kind of understands it is pet owners. Yeah, pet owners. Because I think your dog looks at you and thinks, Master, why do you not let me eat that yummy chocolate? And you say, bad things happen when you eat chocolate, and I will not explain it. Bad dog, right? Right? And so you kind of understand. You kind of understand better. But I will tell you this. We cannot fully understand God. We can't understand why 
And I think your dog or cat is much closer to understanding you as master than you are of understanding God. I really believe that. So when we look at this and we see this, when we see suffering, again, let me get back to the judging it as good, judging it as did they deserve it or not? Because, you know, some of us say, well, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't good things only happen to me? You know, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman loses his daughter. His daughter dies because his older son backs out the truck and doesn't see his sister there and runs her over and dies. She dies. And you just, I know people called like, Pastor Rob, can you believe that this happened to Stephen Curtis Chapman? He's such a good Christian. I can't believe that anything bad, you know, and we just struggle with that because we think that if we, we've, follow Jesus, that all good things happen, never bad things. But I'm telling you what, following Jesus will give you peace in the midst of the storm. It'll give you comfort in the midst of the storm, but there still are going to be storms. There still are going to be tragedies. That was kind of an eye-opener to me, because when I was a kid, I knew I had a call of God in my life to be a pastor, and I used to do some really dumb stuff thinking, I can't die, I'm on a mission from God, you know? (laughs) Now I look back and I realize I was making my guardian angel work overtime, you know. Serious. You know, talk to the early church. The early church, when the early church fathers got together at uh, at at an early council, there were 318 men that were there that were early church fathers. Of the 318 men, there were only 12 of them that had not lost an eye, lost a limb, or didn't walk with a limp because of the abuse that they received for following Jesus. So somewhere between the early church and American church, we got this idea that only good things happen to us. Matter of fact, Stephen Curtis Chapman said in the loss of his daughter in writing all these songs for his CD, he said, one of the things that bothers me the most is the pitiful state of American Christianity that just says nothing bad ever happens to followers of Jesus Christ, ever. And he said, you know what, we, we, we've grown so comfortable and we just feel like living in America, living the American dream is the goal of our life. And he said, we forgot our goal is to glorify God. We forgot that this isn't our home and we have it so good that we don't focus on our home and we're getting so distracted when anything bad happens to us, it just rocks us to the core because we just want good things. It doesn't always worked that way. The first doctor that died in the United Kingdom from AIDS. He was a Christian guy working in Zimbabwe trying to help people and he gets AIDS. He didn't do anything wrong. And so sometimes those things happen to good people. When you really get down to it, let's be honest, the Bible says there's none good. None good. So really instead of asking why do bad things happen to good people, we should be asking Why does anything good ever come to bad people like us when we really get down to it? But incidentally, this doctor, when he died, he was in his last dying breaths and he couldn't speak. And he couldn't even say anything. He was looking at his wife and he's the first doctor to die from getting AIDS, from helping other people. And he he just made a J with his finger. And his wife started going through her mental dictionary of words that start with J, like J. J. She said, and she said, Jesus. And he nodded. He nodded. And even in his pain and suffering, he's thinking about Jesus. And he's saying, you know what? I don't know why I got this. I was doing the good thing. But I'll tell you what. I'm focused on Jesus. 
we just realize that, you know what, if we're going to have a proper perspective on pain and suffering and evil and all that's going on in this world, we've got to have big faith with this. We've got to have big faith and realize we may not understand the why, we may not understand the because answer, but if we can have big faith with this and say, God, I'll continue to serve you. God, even if you don't give me an answer, if you don't give me a glimpse into why any of this is going on, I'll still serve you. We'll be like a big fire that when the wind comes on it, it'll fan it into greater flame. But if we just have little faith, we'll be like a little fire. And when the tragedy of life comes in wind, it'll blow us out. I want us to have big, big faith. Now, uh, I'm again laying the foundation for this whole series. Evil enters the world in chapter 3 of Genesis. So three chapters into the Bible, evil enters and suffering enters and, and God said I'll increase you know, thorns and thistles and I'm going to increase the pain in, in childbearing. And so there it is, ladies. It's right there, chapter 3. Maybe before that there was like a spiritual, you know, uh, what's that, epidural, right? You know, like spiritual epidural. And now it's like, oh, nope, you don't have that. But there's evil And the world was created before that in a perfect state. Let me say this. When people say, why is the world like this? Why is there evil? Why are there hurricanes, tornadoes? Why are there this and that and this? And they just say, why, why, why? We can go back to saying it was created perfect. It was created perfect. And so evil came in in chapter 3 And the interesting thing is it leaves the third to last chapter of the Bible. So it comes in in chapter 3, and it leaves in the third to last chapter and goes out. And we're kind of living in that in-between time. And the Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And Romans 8 talks about that creation is, is broken. It's like... It was perfect, and then man sinned. And when we sinned, when man sinned, it brought in a brokenness to the earth, and things aren't working the way that they were meant to work. And it says in Romans 8 that all of creation is waiting for the day, waiting for the third to last chapter, where it all leaves and everything starts getting fixed and where it gets right. And so we're in this in-between time. Matter of fact, Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes Chapter 7, verse 29, he's pretty straight. He said, I did learn one thing. We were completely honest when God created us, but now we have twisted minds. We were created perfect. We were created godly. We were created there. And in, in this free choice that we had to worship God, God gave us that free will and that ability to worship him so that we wouldn't be like little robots And in that freedom to choose, Adam and Eve chose evil. And before you go blaming them too much, if you were there, you would have done it too. You know, we are are not that great. And God gave us a free will. And when Adam and Eve sinned, moral evil entered the world and natural evil entered. And moral evil is that immorality and pain and suffering that comes because we choose to be selfish, because we choose to be arrogant, because we're uncaring, hateful, abusive, and so moral evil is in the world. And it's estimated that 95% of the suffering that's going on in the world right now could be alleviated if people would just stop doing moral evil. If evil dictators would stop being evil. 
Do you realize there's enough food on the planet to give everyone right now a 3,000 calorie, or 3,000 calorie diet a day, every single day? There's enough food on the planet right now. Nobody should be going hungry. But the reason that people are going hungry is because of moral evil in the world. And yet people say, well, why are those people starving? Look at what God's doing. And I would say many times, no, 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 no. That's not God's doing. That's not God's doing. That's evil people that are using moral evil to pursue selfish gain. I heard from military people that were there delivering the goods in Africa to people that were starving, but the people that were in charge would not allow the goods to leave the ship or to leave the airplane. They would rather have their people starve and have power over them than allow them to have the food. And they came back dejected, saying we tried to even give them the food, but they wouldn't let us because the evil leaders wouldn't let it go into place. It's moral evil. and It's terrible. The natural evil, those are the things that come in the consequences. The earthquake, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, those natural things that people call what do they call those? They said, you know, your insurance covers you for everything except an act of God, right? I don't like that one. It should say act of Adam. That's what I think. <laughs> That's what I think. You say act of Adam, you know? It's just, it's natural thing that came in into the world because the world is broken. And so we're trying to blame God and people say, why did that bad happen? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Moral evil came into the world because of sin and natural evil came into the world, and this suffering came in because of sin. And God's like, I created it perfect. I'll make it perfect. You're living in the in-between right now. And I want to make this very clear to us as a church. When moral evil or natural evil happens to any people group, we will not go out and say that is God's judgment on you. Okay? We're just not going to do that as a church. We know that there are examples of that in the Bible in specific cases. But we don't have that word from God right now. A tornado hits a convention going on in Minneapolis, and somebody says, that's got to be God on them going ahead and smashing them down. We're not going to do that as a church. We're not going to do that as a church. We're going to say that, you know what? There's things that happen to good people and bad people when it really comes down to it. All of us are sinners, all of us needed grace, and all of us, we're not going to sit there and cast judgment on why. And so if you've ever thought, well, I'll tell you why they're dying of that, God's giving it to them right there. We're not going to be saying that, we're not going to be doing that. It may be, it may be God's judgment, but unless we have a clear word on something, we're not going to do that. We are not going to go around pointing fingers when we realize there's so many fingers pointing at us and we needed the grace of Jesus Christ to get us in. Because when I look at this, and I'll, I'll close with this story, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus was asked about a group of people, a group of people that died and were killed. And the people came to him, they were trying to say blame, like, Jesus, um, these people were killed by Pilate. They were killed by Pilate, and they were even worshiping. They were worshiping and doing the right thing, and Pilate came along and killed them. Did, did Pilate kill them because God was trying to get them? They were trying to say, was it their fault that that bad thing happened? And Jesus is like, you know, Pilate was a bad guy that did that. And he goes, you know what? There was a tower that fell recently, guys. You know the story. And the guys were like, right. 
by Salome, a tower that fell, and 18 people died there. And I'm not going to get into why it happened or the why God, why in this, but I'll tell you this, the real question to be asking is not why this happened. The real question is to ask, what now? That's what Jesus says. He said, let's not worry about why the building tipped over. Let's not worry about why those people were killed while they were worshiping. Let's not even worry about that. What we're going to worry about is what now? And if I could say this to everybody here, the biggest thing in our pain and our suffering and the evil in the world that should bring us all to this point is let's not ask God why. Let's ask God what now? What now? When evil happens, what now, God? What do we do now that this has happened? Uh, When pain happens in our life, God, what now? What do you want us to do now? Instead of focusing on the why, Jesus says, what now? And he says, you guys better get right. The bigger issue is you got to be right with God because this earth is not your home. There's eternity waiting. And he tells them, you better repent or you're going to perish. And so he's saying, you know, the real question to ask is what now? Are you right with God? And so as we close out this first day, I don't know what may have hit you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if people are trying to point blame at you. You did this wrong. You did that. I don't know if people are casting judgment on you. I don't know, but I do know that the question we should be asking now is, what now? What now? And I believe the answer to what now is, am I right with God? Am I right with him because good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen? I needed grace. I needed mercy. I needed forgiveness. I need this. And the real question is, what now? And so I just want to pause as we start this out and say, with that what now in place, does God have you here at a place where you're ready to say, I need, okay, I don't have this all figured out. I may not get an explanation. We're going to look at the life of Job. But I do know that I'm here and that I'm hurting and suffering. And I do realize that even if I don't get the why answered, I better face the what now and you're ready to respond. I want to give you that opportunity to respond today. So if you'd bow your heads, I want to give you that opportunity to respond to the what now. And I ask you, what now? Are you here and you're hurting? Are you here and you've had tragedy? Are you here and you have evil? Are you here and you have suffering? I don't know why. I don't know why. But I know in light of whatever you're going through right now, the real question is, what now? Can you be right with God? And the answer to that is yes. If you'll ask him to forgive you of your sins, the Bible says he will forgive you of your sins. And the what now will be settled. The Bible says that he will become your Lord and Savior, that he paid the price on the cross. And as we look at this series, we're going to realize that the answer to so much of this is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus answers so many of the questions that we're facing. But if you're here and you're saying, Pastor Rob, the what now? I need to answer it. I need to be right with it. I need to be right with God. My suffering has brought me to the spot, but I'm ready to stop asking why and say yes to Jesus. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand while everyone else's heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. If you're here and you're saying, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, this is my moment, you just feel it, you're ready. You're saying, what now? I want to be right with God. If that's you, would you do this? Would you do me the favor and raise your hand and look up at me so we can come into agreement and I could pray a closing prayer with you that you would say, what now? I'm ready. This is my moment. Yep, I see your hand in the back. Are there others who would say, include me, I'm ready. I'm here in this moment. What now brings me to this spot? Yep, I see your hand and your hand right there next to each other. Yes, and in the back there. It's now. Now is the moment. God's got you here. You may not get all the whys. Yes, I see your hand. 
We may not get the whys, but we know the what now needs to be answered. That's the pressing thing at this moment. That's right. I see your hand. I see your hand going up. It's the pressing thing. What now? What will you do with God? What will you do with Jesus? Yep, I see your hand. This is what it's all about. This is why we're here. We are not going to figure it all out in the why, but I'll tell you what. We've got it with the what now. Yep, yes, I see your hand. Yes. You can put your hands down all across this place. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask that those around you would pray it out loud with you. I'll pray it. You repeat it. And the Bible says the what now will be taken care of. The what now will be taken care of. Jesus will forgive you of your sins, and you will be set right before God. So let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I confess that to you today. Please forgive me. I know you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins and you rose again and I receive that forgiveness. Help me to live for you for the rest of my life serving you and moving forward in the what now. Lord, I just thank you for that. They've prayed that prayer. They've asked for forgiveness and they've settled it. They may not know the why, but they know the what now and they can be forgiven and they are forgiven and I pray, God, that you would seal that in their heart that they would know that, that they've been forgiven. Lord Jesus, even if they don't figure out everything else in the why, the what now has been settled. And so we thank you for that. I pray they'd grown their faith they grow in their walk with you. And no matter what the world throws at them, I pray that it would fan it into a greater faith, a greater fire for God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Can we give a hand clap to those that made that decision? Amen. I just said the what now, and this is the now what, all right? This is a book I want you to get. If you just settled the what now, I want to give you this book called The Now What. The prayer teams will have it. They'll be in the front. The Welcome Center will have it. You can get it there. I'll have a copy. I want you to get this. Is now what? Now that I've done this, now that I've said, okay, here's where I am, God. How do I move forward? This is just a little thing on how to move forward. I put a little note in there uh, for me to you just saying how to move forward, a little reading plan. Love for you to get that before you leave tonight. And then I want to tell you one other thing. I want you to tell someone that you made this decision. I want you to tell someone, I made the decision. I made the decision. I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I don't have it all figured out, but I made that decision. And I want you to tell somebody before you go to bed tonight, that's only a few hours away, but I think it's very important that you go public with it, that you take a personal moment that you had, and you go go public. So get the book from someone and tell someone that you made that decision, all right? Let's all stand all across this place. Um, Prayer teams, come on, get into place. And as a church, we're going to pray for this family, uh, these young boys, three of them that just lost their mom and dad. And want to pray for anyone else that's going through suffering and pain right now. And I just want you to receive this prayer if that's you. Lord, I pray right now for anyone that's suffering and is going through pain or has been attacked by evil, doesn't understand it, doesn't make sense. But God, they need strength, and I pray you'd give them strength and peace and comfort. I pray they'd feel your comfort from the body of Christ, the people that are here, the people that are part of this church, coming around them, hugging them, loving them, walking through it with them, not trying to answer every question, but just being there for them. 
And I pray right now for this young family, these three boys, 18, 12, and 9, that have a whole different world going on right now. We as a church want to love them. We want to bless them. We want to be with them. We want to cry with them. We want to hurt with them. And we want to be there for them. And so, God, we pray that your peace would comfort them like only you can. Use some of us here in a special way. Use us, some pain that we've gone through. Maybe someone's here and they've never shared a painful story about losing their parents. But maybe this is the moment you're going to cause them to minister to another family. I don't know. But, God, I pray that you'd use us to minister to them and to love them and to show that unconditional love of God towards them. So help us, Lord, and help them as they move forward in this. Thank you, God. Now help us again as we move forward. This world is full of pain. I pray, God, that you'd use us to bring healing and comfort and peace to people that need it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.